The following audio is from City Rev Church. For more information about City Rev Church, visit us online at cityrev.org. You can join us live Saturday nights at 6 p.m., Sunday mornings at 9, 10.30, or 12, or you can join us online at cityrev.org. Well, I, when it comes to sporting events, I have... I struggle at times with the fear of missing out. And I, I trace this back to 2013 Miami Heat in game six of the NBA Finals. And I'm just, it doesn't look like it's towards the end of the game. It's not looking good. We're down by three. LeBron James goes for a three-point shot, misses it, and with less than six seconds left, somehow we get the rebound, and it's tossed over to Ray Allen behind the three-point line, and he drains a three. I mean, does that just not make your heart happy when you hear that? Anybody? I mean... I remember that moment, and I remember there were so many Heat fans that made the massive error of turning off that game too soon. And so, honestly, that's permanently messed with me. Like, I struggle now turning off a game. If it's one of my Miami sports teams, I struggle with turning off the game because I don't want to miss a miracle. Okay, so fast forward seven years, the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals. Game six against the Los Angeles Lakers. And we're down by about 175 points. (laughs) And I'm struggling. Like, I know the game's over, okay? But I just struggle. Like, what if they pull out a miracle? Okay, like, I think it's actually a a problem that I have mentally, okay? I have this fear of missing. I just can't turn off the game until it's absolutely over. All right, but psychologists have said that this issue of the fear of missing out, that is actually becoming a, a bigger and bigger issue in our society, and so sometimes it's just something basic, and maybe like you, you've experienced this before in your life. Um, it's something simple, like you get invited to a social event. Hey, do you want to come to this in a week? And all of a sudden, there's this fear. If I commit to this social event, what if something happens over the next week that's even better, but I've already committed to this, and I can't get out of it, and so I, I may not commit yet to this social event because I don't know what's coming up with the next social event. Is that fear of missing out. And actually what I might do is I might actually hurt a friend or strain a relationship because for something that I don't even know if it's going to happen. That's the fear of missing out. But it can actually be very extreme with some people. I heard a story of a young man went out on a date, was sitting there with a lovely young lady, potential relationship there. But the fear of missing out had so gripped his life that he couldn't get off of social media the entire time he's on this date. Like what if I'm missing something socially? And the irony of the fear of missing out is by not missing out on what might be socially, he completely missed out on a relationship with this lovely young lady right in front of him. And so this dynamic of the fear of missing out is a real issue in many people's lives. So here's what I want to do. I want to use that as a hypothetical situation for a second. And I I don't know where you're at, um, spiritually speaking, I don't know, maybe you say, look, I'm not even sure I believe that there's a God. I, I don't know where I'm at. And first of all, I love that you're joining us and so glad that, that, you're, that you're here because that shows that you've got an open mind and we love journeying with people who have real authentic questions. We have real authentic questions, so glad that you're joining us. 
But let's just say hypothetically that there is a God. Like, work with me on this hypothetical. I believe that there is a God. We as a church believe that there is a God. So let's just operate with that assumption just for a second. And let's say that this being created everything, so that means he specifically, intentionally designed human beings. And the way he designed human beings, let's just say that there's this one concept, there's this one facet of the human experience that is like the key. And it's this one thing that if, if, the, if humans can just get into their life, if they, if they can get this one part into their life, it like flicks a switch in their life. And it like just takes their life and they actually are now full of life to a degree that they've never imagined possible. And they're experiencing and thriving in life in a way that makes them almost invincible, it seems. It's just something, it's like that key that unlocks the fullest potential of the human experience. Let's just say there's one thing that the creator God designed for a human to experience that unlocks the fullness of living in a human's life. But let's also say that while it's not hard to find, it is so often missed and people go their entire lives, let's say, missing that one key concept, this one facet that if they just plugged into their lives, it will light them up with the fullness of life. If that was true, then that would be, of all things, the one thing we should be the most afraid that we miss out on. If the one who invented humanity is saying there's one thing that just turns the life experience of a human into being truly alive, like that would be the one thing we would most not want to miss out. Now, here's what I believe. That's not a hypothetical situation. In fact, I believe that Jesus spoke about that exact concept. There is one facet of, hum of the human life that is what ignites living in a human. But so many miss out. And in the passage I want to show you, he talks about how and why so many people miss it. Now, here's the good news. As you see what Jesus says, you can freely find it today. And I'm saying whether, maybe wherever you're at on the spiritual journey, there are many who would call themselves Christians who miss it. There are many who are actual followers of Christ, and yet they're saying, I still feel like I'm missing something. There are many who say, look, I don't know where I'm at spiritually, but I'm missing something. Jesus talks about how we miss it. I want you to go in your Bibles or your Bible app to Matthew chapter 13. And as you're going there, let me just give you a little background on Matthew chapter 13. This is a, this is in the, the book of Matthew is the story of the ministry of, life and ministry of Jesus. There are four of those accounts. That, uh, they're called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in the, um, in the Gospels, Jesus, it's recording his words. And Jesus is often talking about this concept of the kingdom. It's this heavenly kingdom that he came to establish. It's something that transcends this world. And he's talking about this idea of the kingdom. There's many passages he talks about it. 
But there's a, a few of those passages where how he describes the kingdom is so powerful for where we are at in this moment in our society's history. And so we're talking about this because I think it's really going to minister to our lives when we see what Jesus says. And so we're looking at this right here. Now, here's what's going on in chapter 13. In chapter 13, he begins this series of parables, basically these stories that have a point, like a fable. Jesus would tell these stories all the time, these parables. And he begins a series of parables describing, and he'll say, here's what the kingdom of heaven is like, or here's what the kingdom of God is like. And he'll describe it. He'll describe it. It's like a mustard seed. He'll say it's like, it's like a net that moves through the water capturing fish. He says it's like weeds growing in a field. He says it's like a sower. It's what we're going to talk about here. He has all of these series of different parables. And we're looking at the very first parable that he describes about the kingdom of God. And so let's look at this. This is Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start in, in verse 1. Here's what it says. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying... Now, I want to read just straight through this parable. All right, here's what he says. A sower went out to sow, meaning like seeds, not like a needle and thread. It's not someone sowing like fabric. It's someone like planting seeds in the ground. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up, grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on the good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. That's the way Jesus would say, hey, um, if, if you're able to understand this, uh, pay attention to what I, I just said. Now, let's just stop for a second. What's interesting about this parable is this is one of the few parables that Jesus told. He told many, and some of them are a challenge to understand the first time we go through them. But uniquely, this is one of the few parables where later Jesus went back and described, hey, by the way, this is what that parable meant. And personally, I love those parables because when he explains it, because we could, there's no missing what the parable meant. And so this very first parable in this series, he explains what it means. So before we go a, little, a few verses down and read what, how Jesus describes what the parable means, let's just make sure we understand the parable. He says there's a sower. He's going to go out and he's going to cast seeds. He's sowing the seeds into the ground. He's going to drop them into the ground. That's his investment into the ground. And he's going to, he's going to wait for it to grow out and it's going to bear fruit. So uh, by becoming a plant that he can get grain or fruit from. And so he's, he's going out and he's casting out these seeds. Now what Jesus says next is he says there are four different types of soils that these seeds fall on. And depending on the soil, depends on what happens to the seed. 
So he starts with the first soil. He says, look, there's some seeds that fall on the pathway. Now, the pathway, maybe it's stone or it's paved or it's just really beaten down dirt. It's hard, so it doesn't sink into the ground. It just, it just bounces off, sits there on the top. And he says, and because it doesn't go beyond underneath the pathway, it says birds come and eat it and it's gone. It never, it never had even a chance of taking root. First soil is on the path. The second soil then, he says, he says, some fell on rocky soil. So I want you to imagine soil, it's filled with rocks, or maybe there's like a rock bed very close underneath it, or there's just so much rocks that it's more rock than actual dirt and soil. And he says, look, there's just enough soil there where it immediately takes root and it kind of springs up. But he says, it, it doesn't, it's not deep enough. The soil doesn't have a depth. So the roots can't get far down enough so that when the sun comes up, it just scorches that, that plant, scorches that top layer of soil where it's, it's just barely rooted, and it scorches the plant and it dies. So soil one is path, soil two is rocks. Then it says there's a third soil. It's where just a bunch of weeds and thorns are all grown up in the soil. He says he, he casts some seeds into the thorns, and he says, it starts to grow up, but the problem is the thorns are all around it, and so it ends up choking out the plant, and the plant can't thrive. So you have path, you have rocks, you have thorns, and then he says, and then finally, you have the, the good soil. And it's rich soil, the soil goes down, it, uh, the seed goes down in the good soil, it takes root, it grows, it thrives, it does what it's supposed to do and it bears fruit. Now, what he talks about is, he says, it, it's grain, and he it used that grain, and, and some of the seeds produced 100-fold, some 60-fold, some 30-fold. So, I, I've got a, an illustration here. We're going to go back through these in more depth, but we've got basically here uh, a representation of the soil. So, we've got um, the pathway right here. Then we've got the, the rocky soil right here. We've got weeds right here, okay? And then we have here... Um, this is actually a green pepper plant. I'll be honest, I couldn't find any grain, okay? Like, I couldn't find like an ear of corn growing at Home Depot, so I couldn't get that. Sorry if you're disappointed, but I do have a green pepper plant. And so I just, before we go on, just the dynamic here of his illustration is that this plant, as it's going to bear fruit, you're not just going to get, if you're a farmer, you're not just going to get green peppers, it is when it comes to farming, when it comes to planting plants, you're getting a multifold return on your investment. If your investment is one tiny little seed, right? I mean, like, it blows out of the water any other, farming investment blows out of, out of the water any other kind of financial investment. If you're doing a financial investment and you get a 50% return, you get, that's a great return. But when you plant one seed and it grows up, you don't get half a seed back, like a green pepper plant like this could ultimately produce maybe five, ten peppers. But think of what's inside a pepper, okay? Think about like the seeds inside, like what the inside of a pepper looks like. Think about those seeds. I think I have a picture of that. Um, think about what the inside looks like. You've got dozens and dozens of seeds, 
And so every time you have one pepper, you have the potential for dozens of plants that could produce more peppers, that could produce dozens more. And so what he's describing here is ultimately when he plants that seed, it's bearing fruit sometimes a hundred times over or 60 times over or 30 times over, he says, when it gets into the good soil. All right, that's his basic parable. Most parables, he leaves that there for us to figure out together. But this one, he says, all right, let me just flat out tell you what this parable is about. So I want you to jump down a few verses. I want you to go to, to, to verse 18, and let's walk through this a little bit at a time. Here's what he says. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom. Okay, pause there with me. The first thing he has defined, he said, this, this is what is being sown. This is the seed. He calls it the word of the kingdom. We're talking about the series on kingdom. We're understanding what the kingdom is. What he says is this is the word of the kingdom. Well, what does he mean the word of the kingdom? What is that? It's the same language he uses at the very end of his most famous sermon that he ever preached. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And it's not just the most famous Jesus sermon. It is the most famous piece of literature in the history of the world. There are pieces of the Sermon on the Mount that are, are um, recited every single day in almost every country of the world. The Sermon on the Mount has things like the Golden Rule, the Lord's Prayer, has so many other pieces. It's the most, one of the most famous pieces of literature, I think the most famous piece of literature in the history of the world. This Sermon on the Mount is where he answers one fundamental question. He gets all the way to the end, and here's what he says. He says, he, if you understand and receive my word, you're wise. If you miss it, you're foolish. So in the Sermon on the Mount, he's telling you what is that word, okay? And he's answering one fundamental question in this sermon. And it's a good one. It's an important one. It's one that maybe many of you have wondered how good do I have to be in order to make sure that I get to heaven one day? Preaches the most famous sermon in history to answer that one question. And here's how he opens it. The very first words is exactly the opposite of what you'd expect. His opening line in his sermon is, you're blessed if you are poor in spirit if you, if you realize that spiritually speaking, you're bankrupt, you have nothing, if you know that, then you will inherit the kingdom of heaven. In other words, the first step to getting to heaven is realize you've got nothing to offer to get yourself to heaven. Then he goes on and say, look, I'm not here to relax any part of God's law. I'm not going to lessen it at even a tiny little bit. I'm not here to, to relax God's law. I am here to do something completely different. I'm not relaxing it. I'm not adding to it. He says, I'm personally fulfilling it. Okay, what do you mean by that, Jesus? Then he goes on to say, look, if you want to get to heaven, you've got to be more righteous than the Pharisees. So the, the people who are the absolute spiritual elite, your, your righteousness has to exceed that. You've got to be better than that. And then he goes to this entire sermon explaining what does it really look like to be good enough? And he says things like this. It's crazy. He says, are you expecting God to forgive you? Like, you're like, well, I think God's a forgiving God. He knows I'm not perfect. I think he's going to forgive me. He says, how are you expecting God to forgive you 
of the sins against an almighty God when you're not willing to forgive someone who does something so much smaller? Do you think God's going to forgive you if you can't forgive the people around you? He says, you say, look, I've not like I've killed anyone. He says, look, when you hate, you have murder in your heart. He says, um, when, you, when you lust, it's like adultery of the heart. He says, when you, when you have anxiety, it's a lack of faith in the provision of God. And he goes on and on and on. And by the time you're done, you're like, oh yeah, I am bankrupt spiritually. And he gets to the end and he says, boy, it's a narrow path, right? Not many people can make it. And by the time you're at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, you're like, yeah, nobody. He preaches this whole sermon and he says, look, if you, if you heed my word, then you're wise and you're building your life on the right foundation. If you don't heed, then your, your life is, is going to be shaky and it's going to crumble. And this whole sermon was a setup for us to say, whoa, time out. Spiritually speaking, I'm in trouble. I can't make the narrow path. I already haven't. I'm spiritually bankrupt. Wow, I need someone to save me. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying no one, not many can walk that narrow path. Yeah, only one, the one who came to personally fulfill perfectly the law, Jesus who was sinless. It's a setup for his work as the Savior to come down. God in the flesh is who he claimed to be. God in the flesh arriving in creation to die on the cross after living a perfect life. He died on the cross. And what he's doing there is he's perfectly fulfilled the law. And his perfection, he applies to us. And our sinfulness, he takes on the cross. And he washes our sins away. But, and then raises up from the dead. He rises back from the dead, proving that he is God in the flesh. And he's offering that work on our behalf for free. He says, you want to get to heaven. The first place you've got to start is you can't make it on your own. You need a savior and then we ask Jesus to be our Savior. Can you please? It's, it's not about what I do. It's, it's about what you did. And out of that, I now live a life surrendered to you, Jesus. What is the word of the kingdom? What is the seed being spread? It's the gospel. It's something fundamentally different than this world has ever heard it's not that you have to strive to be good enough to gain God's approval. Jesus said you can't. Let's just start there. The message of the gospel is, but there's good news. You have a savior and salvation is offered for free. And that actually all the ways that my life, as I surrender my life to Jesus, all those things I think are making my life alive, I actually begin to realize as he goes to work on my heart, says the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, I start to realize, wow, all those things I thought that I loved doing are actually enslaving me. And he's freeing me. The Holy Spirit begins to work on me from the inside out, freeing me from these things that enslave me. So Jesus says, this is the word of the kingdom. He's, as this seed is being cast around, he says it falls on four soils. Let's look at what he says. He's going to define these four soils. Let's take them one at a time. Verse 19 again. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. All right, so let's start with number one, the path. Here's what he says. He says, the first soil 
the seeds land right here, right on this, this well-worn path right here. I've got like a, a brick, like a paver. If seed falls on this, what's going to happen? It's just going to bounce, right? I mean, it's not, it's not going into this. This is packed down. It's hard. This soil is hard, so the seed lays here. It's not going under the surface at all, and so it just stays there until a bird eats it. And, and what Jesus says is the person who, who has their heart is like the path is someone who doesn't understand the word of the kingdom. Their problem is they don't understand the gospel. And there are two different groups of people who did not understand the word of the kingdom, the gospel, the message that Jesus came to declare. There were two different people. The first were the very rebellious they said, oh, you're here to bring religion? I'm not, I don't do religion, so I'm out. The, uh, the first was the religious. They're like, oh, wait, you're a rabbi, you're a teacher, you do the spiritual thing. I don't do the spiritual thing. I live the way I want to. They misunderstood what he came to say. The seed bounce off. The other group is unexpected. It's not the very um, rebellious. It's the very religious. They said, oh, you're here to bring religion? Well, that's fine, but I've already got it. I don't need you, Jesus. I already know. Well, you got a couple other thoughts. I'll add it, but I'm good. And so they don't understand the message he's saying. They don't understand the gospel. They think he's bringing religion, not the gospel. So the seed bounces right off. And what Jesus came to teach was they're both wrong. They're both misunderstanding. He did not come to bring religion. He's, religion is I'm working to earn my way to heaven, to earn my way to God's blessing or God's approval or to earn so that I can feel good about myself spiritually. What Jesus brought is something completely different. It starts with the bad news. No, you're not okay spiritually. But the good news is you have a savior who saved you. It's the work of what Jesus did, not what you do fundamentally. It's that God accepts us first while we're sinners and we're all sinners, and then he transforms us. And so the problem is they misunderstand what the message is. So the seed of the gospel just bounces off. You follow me? Does this make sense so far? Soil number one. Let's see what soil number two is. Let's read what he says. Let's pick it up in verse 20. As for what was sown on the rocky ground... This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. He says, some people are like the rocky soil. There's soil in there, but it's mainly rocks. And so when the seed... They hear about Jesus. You know, there's enough soil in there where the seed goes in and this person gets excited about Jesus. They started following Jesus initially. They're like, okay, yeah, I'm in. But the problem was that seed of the message of Jesus, it just really stayed on the surface. I mean, it did not really go down deep. It didn't really take root. There was no depth. It took no root in their life. It didn't really have an impact on the rest of their life. So it didn't take root in how they view relationships or how they view their sexuality or how they view their finances or how they view their dreams and their goals. It stayed on the surface, didn't really take root. So the first time a trial came, they maybe said, whoa, I thought once I followed Jesus, I'd have no bad things happen to me. Or, whoa, I, I thought that, you know, like, you know, if 
the more I follow Jesus, the more I do the right thing, the more bad things stop. I, I don't understand what's happening, so this must not work. Or it's such a shallow seed that the moment persecution comes and distracts them, they just kind of throw the spiritual side just out the window. Like Jesus needs to take a back seat because they've got bigger issues going on. The problem in the rocky soil is a lack of depth. The gospel, the message of Jesus, the word of the kingdom, the seed has not gone down deep and actually rooted into their lives. Okay, that's what Jesus said soil number two is. All right, let's pick it up. Let's see what the next one is. Pick up number three. We're going to look at verse 22. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Wow, this is so many people struggle with this one. In fact, many people who would call themselves Christians, many people who do the church thing, many people who see themselves as spiritual or religious, and many of us who followed Jesus for, for maybe many years, this creeps up in our life. And what happens is a seed, he's saying it's planted, but these thorns, they grow up around it. In fact, like right here, there's one little other plant. I'm sure you cannot see it, but there's one other little plant that's growing here, but all of these this, this weeds, these thorns have grown up around it. That little plant doesn't have a chance. It's going to absorb all the water, all the sunlight. It's going to choke out this plant. And so what Jesus says, what happens is some receive Jesus. They, they, they want to follow after Jesus. But what happens is their, their relationship with God, that, that gospel seed, what it produces is unhealthy. It's shriveled. Because the cares of this world take over. Oh, there's a relationship I'm just so focused on. There's something else that I'm focused more on. There's something else that's more prominent. Oh, it's my career. Oh, it's my success. Or it's my relationship. But here's what's interesting. Jesus, of all of the various cares of the world, he targets one of them. And it's one that Jesus talks about all the time because as a shepherd, he, he's warning us about, about this one particular care. Did you catch which one it is? The deceitfulness of riches. He says, look, the cares of this world, but let's be honest, it's money. Like that's like one of the most prominent ones. And what he says is... Um, Money and finances, those things have a way of choking out the spiritual vibrance, the pursuit of money, choking out the spiritual vibrance of our lives. But he warns us, he says emphatically, riches are deceitful. They deceive, they trick, they lie, they fool you. Those things choke out the seed, that's what he says. One more soil left. It's the good soil. Let's see what he says, verse 23. As for the what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. He says, look, there is some good soil 
that it's just that that soil is just so receptive to the gospel. The seed goes in, a plant is growing, and then what he says is the the key indicator that that is is a a seed that has been received by good soil. The key indicator is that it's producing fruit. If this pepper plant, and there's no peppers on this yet, but if, if I keep watering it and I keep it in the sun and it never, there's, I never get any peppers, I'm mad. That's the whole point. That's why I have this plant is that it's producing fruit. And if I'm a pepper farmer, I want to produce more and more and more and more pepper plants. That's what this is designed to do. Okay, now here's what I want to do. We've talked about these four soils. What I want to do with this text, and I think the wisest thing to do when we've heard a text like this, is for us to pause and to take a second and do like an honest, authentic evaluation of our hearts and ask ourselves which soil most closely represents my heart. Now, why would I do that? Because what Jesus is saying, the creator in the flesh, is there is one central concept that unlocks life for a human. It's the thing. He says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. He says, I am bringing, there is one key that unlocks the human experience. And so many humans miss it. And he's saying, I so don't want you to miss this one thing. It's what's going to make your life be alive. He says, I don't want you to miss it. I want to unlock this in your life. And so he says, so I want you to expose. These are why, these different reasons are why our hearts miss this. So please, I'm, as, a, as a pastor, I'm asking, would you consider just honestly evaluating for your own sake that you don't miss the fundamental thing that your creator designed for humans to get so that they thrive? The word of the kingdom. The message of the gospel. See, for some, you're watching, and I think if you're honest, you'd say, look, if I'm honest, I'm the path. And if I'm honest, like, I have friends that are Christians. Maybe one of them, you know, they, they invited me to, to watch this or to come and, and see this. And I, I know that they're, like, all about Jesus and he's changed their life. But if I'm honest, I just don't get it. I don't think I need it. I don't understand it. Uh, maybe for you, it's your spouse. And you're like, look, I, I know it's so important in her life. Or I know it's so important in his life. But it's just, I don't know. And the problem is it's just kind of bounced off you. And they've shared with you about Jesus and just bounced off. What Jesus says is the problem is that you don't understand what he's bringing. He's, you say, look, I'm just not about organized religion. Or look, I, I just don't, I feel like if I start doing the churchy stuff and I start following Jesus, I feel like I'm just so ref confined. And I, I, you know, if I, if I, you know, follow what Jesus says, I can't actually really live. And what he's saying is, you've been deceived. He says, I'm coming to set you free. I've come to bring you life, not only, of, not only thriving in this life, but eternal life. He says, I'm not coming to bring you more religion. 
He says, he says I've come to, to save you by doing the work of dying on the cross, doing everything that's needed for your salvation, and then freeing you by transforming you from the inside out. So some of you, it says bounce right off, but here's the group that I'm even more concerned about. Some of you, the message of what Jesus accomplished is bouncing off of you. Because you're like, look, I've already got religion. I'm already a Christian. And you say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, it, it depends on if well, what you think of Christianity is that it's your religion. You say, look, I've always been a Christian. I grew up in the church. I grew up going to church. My parents are Christians. I do the church thing. I pray. I'm nice to people. That is not fundamentally what Jesus came to establish. It's not about what you do. It's about what he did. And that power let loose in your life changes your life and the way you live. Some of you, the biggest barrier to accepting the, mess, the saving message of the gospel is that your heart's hardened because you think you've already got religion. You don't need religion. You need the message of the gospel of what he accomplished for you. Some of you, if you're honest, your, your soil is the path. But some of you, your soil is, is the, the rocky soil. And you say, look, I, there have been times I've gotten into Jesus. There have been times I've done the church thing. But here's what's happened in your life. It's never actually gone beneath the surface and really taken root. I mean, it's just very shallow. It's not changing the, the, the aspects of your life. And so probably you say, look, whenever I need a shot in the arm, I do some Christian stuff. Or look, I want more Jesus in my life because I think Jesus can help me have a better life. I think Jesus can help me achieve my dreams. And so I want a little bit of Jesus stuff in my life. See, the problem is it's not just having Jesus help you live your current life. It's not just Jesus helping you have a better life. It's Jesus transforming your life, transforming your dreams, transforming, transforming every part of your life. Let it go down and take root. Something so deep, because what happens is all of a sudden, if you have a shallow view, all of a sudden, something happens. You're like, wait a minute, I thought I had Jesus in my life, and, but then this bad thing happened. Ah, oh, it must not work. Or something bigger happens, like a, a global pandemic, and all of a sudden you find yourself, look, I used, it's just that other things became a priority, and I've kind of gone away. Why? What happened? The sun came up and scorched it, because Jesus is not gone down deep, rooted in every part of your life. Others of you, there's, there's thorns in your life that are choking out the seed. There's other things that become a priority in your life. And, and probably some of you, you've, you've got a, you know a lot about Jesus. You've been following Jesus for a while, but maybe you're asking the question, I just don't, there's all these things promised for the Christian life, you know, this, this incredible love and this joy and this journey of faith and this peace and all these miracles and seeing God at work, but I just feel like I, I don't know, it just, I don't, my faith just seems kind of shriveled. What Jesus says is the reason is there's thorns choking it out. It's something else, if you look at your life, is more dominant than the gospel. And what Jesus isolates is it's one, often one primary thing, it's money. It's the pursuit of making more money, getting more stuff, getting nicer stuff, getting bigger houses, nicer cars, nicer clothes, better career, bigger paycheck. And what Jesus says is money is deceitful. Can you just ask yourself if you believe Jesus on that or not? Because I think one of the things that, I mean, Jesus said it, so I believe it, but I think we all know this anyway. 
We know money doesn't make people happy. But we get deceived into thinking, I'm not wanting to be a trillionaire, but if I just had a little bit more, clearly, I, of course I'd be happier. A little more square footage on the home, like a little bit more of a paycheck, how could that not make me happy? A little bit nicer car, a little bit this, a little bit this, and all of a sudden, wealth and riches have deceived me. And all of these various cares of this world choke out what the priority is. And so, what happens? I have a, we have a shriveled faith because other things have taken the priority. Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's the kids' extracurriculars. Maybe it's that, that extra, you know, side hustle. There's something that's t- it's crowding out so that you can't let that seed flourish. The last thing he says is the good soil. And you say, well, I'm glad you finally get, got there because clearly I am the good soil and I've been waiting for you to come around to what I am because I already know. I don't even need to do the introspection. I'm the good soil. Well, what's the key, the key thing that determines if you're the good soil? Fruit. In other words, you know, this plant should be producing 30 more or 60 more or 100 more plants. So if you're in the good soil, your faith is not just about you. You're fundamentally, as a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ, or we use the word mathetes, the original Greek word, fundamentally, you're on, the, on a mission to see more followers, to make more mathetes, more disciples. Like you're giving your life to see fruit of your life. So in your life, as you look at how your faith plays itself out when you go to work, when you, when you go to, when you, um, around your family, how you operate at church, is it fundamentally for your own faith or is your, your faith really to be used to reach others? Because that's what, when you plant a gospel seed, what grows up? The fruit that's there that Jesus is looking for on that plant is being on mission to get more followers of Christ. That's what the good soil looks like. If that's not happening in my life, then probably, and I think many Christians find themselves here, there's some combination in here. I'm kind of growing, but still there's these cares of the world, and it's choking out, and it's, you know. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Can we just take some time and just... Let's not just be hearers of the word, let's respond. Can you just take a moment and just be introspective before the Lord? So here's what I want you to actually do. I want you to take a moment, whether you're sitting on your couch, you're at home, whether you're with your family, your roommates, by yourself, uh, you're sitting here, I I want you just to take a second and I I want you to just bow your head before God and I want you to open, with open hands before God. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to just take a second and I want you to identify which soil are you struggling with right now. Be honest before him. What, what is it? If it's the path, then just in your mind, I want you to say, yeah, I'm the path. The message of the gospel just bounces right off. I don't think I've really understood it. Maybe you say, I'm, I'm, I'm the rocks. Really nothing in my life has changed. I'm the same person. I'm just looking for Jesus to be a better version of me rather than absolutely completely transform and surrender every part of my life. Maybe say, I'm the rocks. Maybe say, look, if I'm honest, I'm the thorny soil 
Jesus is not the most important thing. His kingdom, my kingdom is more important to me than his kingdom. I just get so distracted. It becomes about the kids or the career or the, finding that relationship or gaining more money or getting my education or getting that, hitting that goal on the thorns. Maybe say, look, I, I'm kind of thorns in good soil. I'm a mix. Maybe say, look, I'm the good soil, but I, I want to bear more fruit. Do you just have an honest moment? Which are you? Don't miss out. Jesus doesn't want you to miss out. So here's what I want you to do. You can, you can look back up. Um, what I want you to do, wherever you're seated, I want you to take out your phone. Go ahead and do it. I'll wait. We all know your phone is right there next to you, okay? Don't pretend like it's not. Go ahead and take out your phone. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to open the CityRev app. If you don't have it, you can go ahead and I want you to take a second. I want you to download it because there's, there's a challenge I want to give you for whichever soil you are. I want you to open the app. If you're downloading it on Android, um, go for the second one, that second app when you look at it in the app store. But open the app, and here's what I want you to do. If you are the path, you got the app open. At the bottom, there's a link that says discover. I, I want this, how can we help you move away from the path, here's one thing you could do, and I want to challenge you to do it. Go to that link that says discover, and here's your, you'll find messages, you'll find the word habit, a reading plan, you'll find worship. Don't let the gospel bounce off anymore. Run after it, seek after it, let it get, take root. Understand, don't misunderstand. For you, I want you to go to discover. Begin that journey. Listen to some sermons or some podcasts first thing in the morning I, while you're exercising on your way to work. Some of you are the, the rocky soil. Here's what I want you to do. You need depth is what Jesus says. You need to grow deeper in your faith. The best way to do that, you're designed to do that with other people. So if that's you, I want you to click on the bottom. If you said, I'm the rocks, I want you to go and I want you to click on ministries. And if you're a student, if you're in high school or middle school, I want you to click on the student ministry. You need to get around other Christians and grow deeper. If you are a young adult, find out information there about the young adult ministry. If you are in a, in a group, if you're an adult, jump into a group. Don't miss out. Don't stay here. He wants more for you. Don't miss out. Grow deeper. Jump into a group. You know, some of you say, look, if I'm honest, I'm the thorns. And I'm going to tell you what my challenge to you is. And I'm going to prepare you ahead of time. You're not going to like it. What, happened, what you need to do is you need to realign your heart. What I'm gonna tell you is what Jesus said. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart follows. Your heart follows your treasure. And what Jesus says is, let's be honest, what most of these thorns are, are financial. And so taking Jesus at his word, if you're finding this a great thing to realign your heart is reinvest your treasures. And so what I want you to do is go to the little heart at the bottom that says give. And for the sake of your heart, invest in the kingdom of God and what he's doing to reach South Florida. Take a step. Maybe it's your first step. Maybe it's the first time in a long time. Maybe you take a regular step. Maybe you take a, maybe you, you say, look, I, I need to go in farther. Are you willing to do that for the sake of your heart? Because your heart follows your treasure. If you said, look, I'm, I'm the good soil, then here's what you need to do. Um, it's not on the app what you need to do. What you need to do is start getting serious about bearing fruit. 
Maybe there's not a single service that goes by that you don't share with a friend. Maybe you share this service and say, look, I hope this is not out of the blue, but I want to share this with you because I'm wrestling with what this says. And I remember some questions you've asked me about God. I want you to watch it. And if you want, I'd love to chat. Maybe chat over coffee. Or maybe if you're someone who's planning on coming in person, maybe you say, look, I am never going to show up at church without inviting, bringing someone with me. And bear fruit. Maybe say, look, I'm never going to go to church without also staying to find a place to serve and using my life to bear fruit. That's what he's designed for you to do, do something that matters for eternity. But some of you are here today and you're saying, look, for me, I, I'm ready to just take a step and I, I'm ready. Like I, I, the gospel's been bouncing off of me, but I'm ready. I want to take a step. I want to accept that key that transforms, transforms my life. I know it's not about religion. It's not about what I do. It's about what he did. And I'm ready to receive that and let that power surge through me. And if that's you, I want to lead you in this prayer. So if that's you, here's what I, I want you to do. Wherever you're at, um, let me just lead you in this prayer. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? that you simply repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for what you did to save me because I couldn't save myself. I make you my king. Your kingdom comes first. I surrender to you. And I want the gospel to take root in my life. Believe you forgave my sin, I forgive all my sins. I will follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if that was your prayer just then, I want to ask you to take this step. I want you to go to cityrev.org slash faith. Here's why I want you to go there. You can just click there. Right there, it's in the comments or right there on the screen. We want to send you a Bible to begin you. As you're beginning this journey, we want to journey with you. Take that step and fill, fill out just a couple questions so we can send you a Bible we want to know and celebrate with you. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to enter into a time where we reflect and pray through music. That's what we do. When we sing, we're just, it's a, a moment with God where we're together. It's like a communal prayer to God. And what we're remembering in this moment is he is the one that made a way. He's the one that's going to make a way in our life. He's the one that's, he's making us alive. We will see him at work. So let's, let's celebrate that together. Let's sing together. Thanks for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at cityrev.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, you can email us at podcast at cityrev.org.